You know, I always think it's really weird that throughout my days of at public school, mostly high school, but I guess uh, even earlier, what kinds of films or clips from films that they would show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I was I was thinking I always would get two movies confused because I never they just showed them in history class and I never they didn't differentiate. They were just like, oh, yeah, here's a, a clip of history. And they just showed it, and it was a movie. And it was not until recently that I realized that Amistad is not Glory. They are different movies. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, yeah. I mean and, uh, those are very yeah. different films. Yeah, I, because they just, history class, they just showed us a bunch of clips and just said, oh, yeah, this is uh, history. Uh, here you go. History. Well, <laughs> I've, ne- I've never seen either one of those. Oh, really? You know, I've never, I've never seen Amistad. But. Yeah, I've, I have not ever seen all of Amistad, but I have definitely seen Glory, and that's one you really should see, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I never and I never did uh, see all of Glory. It was only because I watched Amistad like six months ago. I went, oh, <laughs> there's another movie that I haven't seen. <laughs> I mean, one's on the sea and one's on the land, but okay. <laughs> Amistad takes place on the land a lot. I know it does. It's I set during drastically <laughs> different time periods, but okay. <laughs> It's because history was taught as here is what slavery was. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Here's here's your here's your week here's a, on slavery. And, yeah, here's uh, a movie or two. We'll, yeah. we'll make it exciting by showing you a movie. Right. Pretty much. Yeah, but within that, you know, I think it's important to see them both. And uh, I think of the two, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen Amistad, but I know Glory is uh, a really good movie. Well, I haven't seen it. <laughs> So well, I guess it's then, on my list. I, yes, I guess it is on your list. My name's Elisa Gonzalez, and I have not seen Glory. I'm Andrew Lindy, and I have not seen Glory. I'm Bethany Brinton, and I have seen Glory. I'm Cheryl Jones, and I have seen Glory. I'm Joe Myers, and I have not seen Glory. And this is episode 40 of It's On My List. Honestly, I still you haven't even seen The Patriot, and I'm sure there's a scene of that that they showed in history class that I would... Oh, I, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I thought it was all one movie. I was trying to pinpoint who did this score, and I'm like, it's not John Williams, because he did The Patriot, and there's no way he James did this Horner. The Patriot. James Horner. Yes, and then I heard that like big, bouncy synth oh, at the yeah, end yeah, that yeah. sounds just like Apollo 13. I'm like, aha! It was you. <laughs> Joe and I were just talking, so when he... like. Lessons in school, like the field trips that you would go on here in, in California, Los Angeles specifically, we would go see the, the missions. And yes. he was telling me that back in, in uh, were you in Charleston at the time? Correcto Mundo. He would go, they would go see all of these forts, which is pretty cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Um, so then I was like, that's just an interesting comparison. And I thought that that could have been a lead in, but... I wouldn't have made it work. <laughs> well, now it's just part of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> that works too. Funny enough, though, I had never seen this movie. This movie was not played in our history class. And uh, I got nostalgic a little bit for Charleston, doing a deep dive Aww. on some research about where this took place and what's there now and, and everything else. But I'm not shocked because if anyone's listened to us for a long time, our very first episode, uh, if you remember my U.S. history teacher my junior year was uh, very racist and the one who yelled at me for 15 minutes in class because I said the Civil War was because of slavery, but... She was saying it was because of states' rights. Of course. States', states rights to what? <laughs> to yeah. own right. other people is what I That's yelled back. Andrew uh, is, <laughs> is what nearly got me in school suspended. Wow. Nice. Crazy. Worth it. It was. Yeah, it's worth it. You're doing the right thing. <laughs> 
my my first thought in starting the movie was just how often that theme music gets used in other things like to me the music for this movie is so utterly familiar and not necessarily from watching this movie uh examples because it did sound familiar to me i can't give you one but (laughs) Mm. i've heard it in trailers i've heard it it's very patriotic yes i I know i've heard it like a million places so maybe not like i mean besides i know it's been in other trailers but uh but yeah i'm sure i've heard it like in person in places where they wanted to be patriotic and things you know, in those medleys they do of things. And heck, yeah. maybe I heard it at the Hollywood Bowl. I don't know. <laughs> it could Entirely have been possible. A movie yeah. night and they played it. But I know I have heard it quite a lot. It's it's not only patriotic, it's like stirring. It's you know Yeah, it's yeah. very stirring. Yeah. I, I'm curious, uh, Bethany and Cheryl, how mm-hmm. you know, how did how did the both of you come to watch glory were you uh matthew broderick fans or uh heck no oh i was i was i'll get to i'll get to that later Uh, (laughs) i think uh i definitely watched it of my own volition i mean we might have seen a clip or two in in history class like you andrew but i think i think it was one of those it might be on like the afi list or something but i i was i remember uh being a, a teenager and just looking up movies you should see. And then I would set the TiVo to record whatever was on. And so glory was one of those. And so I remember watching it at home um, with, I think either I watched it with my mom or she would pop in every, every so often and just make commentary and leave, which she did often, which was fun. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I remember seeing it probably between like 13 and 15 would be my guess. Yeah. And I, I don't think I saw it in the theater when it came out. I remember when it was out, but I'm, I don't, I can't say that for sure. I could have seen it in the theater. I don't think so. I think it was probably on cable when I saw it, uh, back in the cable days. Uh, but yeah, I do like Matthew Broderick (laughs) or always have. So, and he was, you know, at that point, very popular. So, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and Carrie Ellis in it as well. You know, Oh yeah. Oh, I I thought this might be fun. So, Elisa, this was technically your pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you be able to give like a one or two sentence synopsis of what this movie is about? I was just saying, oh my put you goodness. on the spot, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one or two sentence. It's 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 a. Uh, I can let's do it. See. I know you can. <laughs> I cannot. Sure you can. The challenge is it's your pick. You have to describe it. I, kn- I wish you would have warned know, me. Right? Um, I love making up rules as we go along. <laughs> well, it's New Year, new rules. <laughs> well, it's it's a it's a I guess a well known story about a at a uh, a group of you know ex enslaved people volunteering to 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 fight in the battle against slavery. And uh, it, it did not have the ending that I, I was hoping for. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sad to say that I didn't know the history of this battle. And um, yeah, the ending kind of gutted me. I was like, I was so happy. And so, you know, all that stirring music you talked about. And I thought, oh man, this is gonna go down. And it yeah. It went down all right. <laughs> it went down, yeah. Yeah, you didn't expect that Rocky ending, did you? No. <laughs> I don't know if that's that's a good uh, if that would sums this up, but yeah. Can I? Yeah. That's pretty good. Can I do one? <laughs> Please, <laughs> show me. <laughs> it's about. Uh, it takes place in the Civil War. It's about the raising of a regiment of all black uh, soldiers. Uh, who, ha- you know, men, most of whom are former slaves, a few aren't, uh, but it's about them being trained to be soldiers uh, for the Union, uh, how few people accept them as real soldiers, and, the, and they have a white leader, of course, because that's everybody who could have led them was white at that point, and... Uh, about the relationship that man has with this force and, and how hard he had to work 
all of them had to work to prove that black soldiers could perform as well as or better than the white soldiers and how willing they were to fight for the union and yeah and and the sacrifice they had to make to prove that something like that i could have done better that was it's really not, good. It's, it's not about winning. It's about having fun. <laughs> it's about the journey. Having fun. Uh, Jesus. That's it. It's the Absolutely. journey. Well, basically, uh, it is about the raising of the 54th Regiment. The Which I didn't, I don't recall. I don't know. I guess I just didn't pay enough attention when I saw it previously, and it was so long ago. I didn't realize that the idea came from Frederick Douglass, which is what they briefly indicate yes. in the movie yeah yeah it yeah. shows up and they say it was his idea basically i was like oh okay that makes sense i i feel like they um they they did a little dance around that of saying well it's his idea but it was also the governor's yeah. like they did a lot of um stuff like that i think because of the sources mm -hmm. where a lot of this information was coming from and it, it was like um, a lot of this movie was based or at least drew directly upon letters that the um, I don't remember what title he achieved by the end, but Robert yeah, Gould Shaw, Shaw, yeah, who who led the 54th. Colonel, yeah. eventually, yeah. Yeah. It was his right. letters, which, right. yeah. Unless I missed it, they didn't address the fact that Douglas actually had two kids who joined oh, the 54th. Yeah, they and, did not address that. And, and they definitely skimped on the battle at the end because he, Frederick, was also at the battle huh. himself. So it, there was a lot that they kind of left out that I, I really wish they would have and put it, in. It did say it was based, besides his letters, on two books, one called Lay This Laurel and one called One Gallant Rush that were about this regiment, I guess, and probably the battle as well. Actually, do you want to read both of those yeah, now that I've seen yeah. the film? And I, I, you know, I thought it was interesting that they had the additional sort of story of Shaw, uh, you know, because we first see him uh, at the Battle of Antietam Creek uh, in 1862, and you get a real sense of the nature of face-to-face -face musket combat. <laughs> in those moments which you're like oh geez when mm -hmm. they are you know right on top of each other as you're firing at each other like because you you know the old thing fire when you see the whites of their eyes right because that's how close you had to be uh to right. make that effective but but seeing then the brutality of war that he's experienced and then suddenly there he is in the luxury of high society while he's clearly dealing with some PTSD because there's a, somebody opens a window at this event he's at and the sound it makes, you know, he flinches like, cause it sounds like gunfire. So I thought it was interesting that they kind of threw some of that throughout with him, that he was a man who had been in battle and was dealing with this and knew what these men that he was, you know, training up for the army knew what they were about to go into, what they were volunteering themselves for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I also thought the the movie for me really started uh, clicking and and doing good stuff when we got, uh, you know, uh, Denzel mm -hmm. uh, Washington as Silas Tripp meeting with Morgan Freeman's character, yeah. John yeah. Rollins, and then even and Jimmy Kennedy playing uh, Jupiter Shartz. Uh, that that little group, and then of course Andre Brower. I love Andre uh, Brower. I just love him. Amazing yeah, as well. I just love him. This as, was his uh, first Thomas. film. Yeah, it was like that was the little group that I was like, okay, this is what I'm here for. Like I I want to see how all these characters interact with yes, one another. Yes, like they had their the little rapport just immediately once they all meet and they're all sleeping in the same tent. I was like, yeah, this is this is the movie yeah. You have me. those personalities that are that some are clashing, some vibe really well, you know. Yeah, because Denzel throughout the movie is the guy who's questioning everything. Who's like, yeah, they're just gonna use us, you know. They're not. This isn't what they're telling us it is, and and you, we're just you know doing the white man's dirty work basically. Uh, 
whereas Morgan Freeman has a little bit better attitude about it. I don't know. Better isn't the right word, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it's interesting to watch how the, yeah, how they all interact and how they change. Yeah. It was like Morgan Freeman is the, the older, um, experienced man who you could see, I, I, I thought maybe as a younger man, he would have been more like yeah. the Denzel. So Denzel's the young, you know, upcoming, he's kind of like a Loki character, <laughs> stirring stuff up and yes. riling people up and challenging them to think, you know, when they, when they were telling them that they weren't going to get paid as much, they're doing mm-hmm. as much, if not more yeah. work for the military and getting paid less. And they're just, he's not standing for that. Um, I really loved that scene yes. where, um, they all they all banded together. That was that was so good. That did actually happen, except in real life it was Shaw's idea. Oh. So he really was the one that led the charge there. It's like you know what I'm going to tear my voucher up too because this isn't right. Mm. Wow. But I do like the fact that it was Denzel's character in the film that did it because that really brought that group all together. And then when Shaw followed suit, then they finally saw like okay he he's with us. Yeah, he's a man we can back. Well, and, and let me just, uh, I want to go back to saying that it was Shaw who did that first. We then have to question the historical sources of that as well, uh, that are giving Shaw credit for being the one to kind of start that. Because I mean, obviously I wasn't there. I have no idea, but. I mean, it is a, isn't that the, one of the early quotes from one of Shaw's letters that yeah. is narrated early on is like, the the stories of your people will are not even written yet. They I will I can't wait to read them. Like something like yeah. that, where where it's like the idea that at that time, you know, those who are writing history yes. and those who are writing you know fan fiction, were 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 all white people. And it's like as as the as more people will come to hear your stories, your yes. side. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. Whatever the source is, yeah, that's a an ongoing problem in historical study, right, is what we accept as the story was written by certain people and mm. not by others. And so, anyway, just pointing mm. it out. Yeah, I don't That's know. That's because, and as we were all taught in, in school, it is, but it is wrong, Betsy Ross uh, designed the American flag. She did <laughs> Well <not>. then, see. <laughs> it was in my books, Andrew. Right, it's it has true. to be true. If I read it in a history book, it's all mm-hmm. true, right? <laughs> it came from her, her, it was a, grandson or great-grandson who claimed it but he never had met her like she had been dead by the time he was around so he claimed it and everyone went well he's he's the grandson he he must know interesting it was not but hey i have that fact Mm. in my head because i went to school thanks right we have a lot of that well it's a good thing people just don't go around claiming things are true right even though they're not anymore anymore uh, <laughs> I don't see that at all. So I do have to ask now that we are talking about Shaw. Matthew Broderick was the first choice to play this role. I don't necessarily know if it was the right choice. Yeah, I don't either. He look. He, he does look like him. So I just yes. I found a, an old photo of of Shaw, and I was like, all right, I can see the resemblance, but uh, I don't like his acting chops. I mean, I think he's fine. I don't. I don't know what's the objection. I would like to hear more. That's all. I thought he was milk toast. Mm-hmm. Like he, I don't know. I, I wasn't overly I, yeah. impressed with him. Yet every time Carrie Elwes was on screen, he's magnetic to me. So I almost wish yeah. their roles had been reversed. It, it, oh, yes. So I, I feel like Shaw must be milk yeah. toast. Like that's kind of part of the, the movie is that he has to ask Morgan Freeman's character, what am I doing right, wrong? Right, right. And he has to be told multiple times, like, they need shoes. Go get shoes. Yeah. And he it's not until he like has that outburst where I'm like, this is what you should have been doing from the start. But because you're a little milk toast man <laughs> you're you're not yeah. going to do that until yeah, you're pushed I, I felt that he was uh out of his depth at first you know like okay i'm mm-hmm. being given this command i'm not sure this is a good idea but okay and you know trying to make the best of it and do what he could with it but i think that is part of the, the thing is that he as a character uh 
was not up to what he was doing and had to find, you know, the ability to get there. I kind of, I kind of found that in his, even though, like in his performance as a soldier who who has experienced war, like I got no sense that he knew what he was doing at all, and I don't know if that was yeah. a, like. Just just his physicality and how he held a gun. I'm like, there's no, it just, it was so um, Matthew Broderick-y, Ferris <laughs> yep. Bueller-y to me. Yep. And I, there's certain actors like him and, and Johnny Depp that I just, I can't, I can't see the character. I can only yeah. see the actor and, and he happens yeah, to be can, one of them. I can see that. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, he is always Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love Matthew Broderick in general. I do too. I love him too. But I also have to think that every scene he's in, he's going up against actors who are, you know, Denzel, Morgan Freeman, yeah. Andre Brown. Yes. <laughs> so like, maybe that was it. Yeah, I think that might have been part of it too. Now that I'm like looking at the cast list, going, oh yeah, maybe. But yeah, yeah I there's I don't know. He yeah. just didn't he didn't fit the role for me, even though he does like Bethley said, look exactly like Shaw for the most part. I think it's definitely who he's playing against, which, yeah. <laughs> um, and and um, it, kind of what Elise was saying, like when you, there's there's certain actors, there was a great Reddit thread the other day where it's like um, the actor that you see in every movie who is playing mm-hmm. themselves. So not even necessarily, I mean, like Johnny Depp, I can see, like he plays different characters, but it's all the same like eccentricity of Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. But uh, a good example they gave was... Um, Oh, shoot. Uh, Kevin Costner. They're like, if you put Kevin Costner in a movie, you're getting Kevin Costner, <laughs> which yes. is fine if that's what you want, but you're not getting anything else. Um, and so that's how I feel about Matthew Broderick. Like, you're going to get Ferris Bueller. You're going to get, um, oh, God. Uh, what's the name Same. in the producers? Producers, uh, election. The, my two favorite and honestly only performances of his that I like are Ferris Bueller because he's great. He just hasn't done anything I've driven. And uh, Lion King, because <laughs> somehow it doesn't sound like him and he does a great job. Um, but yeah, this, this, and I think it wouldn't have been as noticeable, like Joe said, if, if he wasn't up against these like dynamos of acting. But also there were so many moments where it's supposed to be like his internalization of things and, and you're just seeing his thoughts, but you're not like... Uh, with the exception of the of the uh, voiceover of his letters, you're not always hearing what he's thinking. Like there's these big like sweeping moments, and it's like a close up on his face, and you're not really getting that much. Yeah. I'm like, give me more, Matthew. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right, you're doing your best. <laughs> and speaking of those letters, uh, was I the only one that thought that the only time he really put that accent on thick was when he was doing the letter voiceovers, but in just oh, general, it, would, it was just him. It would there's pop one out line in like a he, word or two. And then just there's one away. line where he's, he, there's someone asks him a question. I think Denzel asked him a question and he's like, yeah, I'm like, they wouldn't <laughs> say yeah. <laughs> when I left the Carrie Elwes did it so well because the, I, I'm assuming the at least the Charleston accent they were trying to do is so close to like a high society. I mean, high society English, high society South. It's kind of <laughs> it's a short step. Oh, he was from up north, though. I thought <laughs> so. He Boston? shouldn't even. Yeah, he shouldn't even have. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe I was thinking of the letters then. But yeah, he was he was putting on like that that he, sort he of. He did a have some Southern accent. <laughs> Uh, let's least, not focus yeah, on I don't know. the they lack of be, dialect coaches. Boston, so it may not be where they were originally from, but I could be making excuses. I didn't do that deep of a dive. I did find it funny, though, that every time he ran up against an issue, he's like, I'm going to talk to my daddy. <laughs> oh, Lord. I wrote a letter I mean, to my you daddy. The connection, my use it, dad. right? This is true. Like, if you can say yeah, like, don't tell people, hey, I'm going to talk to my dad oh, no, and he'll talk no, to Lincoln. He, that, that is pretty impressive. No, but you still. definitely, that guy, the bad guy that he told, the jerk, you definitely want to say it to him. By the way, you don't do what I want. <laughs> Lincoln's going to come down on you. Okay. <laughs> so how about we just do it? <laughs> yeah. I like that, that he actually said it to him. Like, mm, you know, I have connections, right? It's on my list. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Andrew. And I'm Diet Coke. And we have a new podcast that we would love for you to listen to. 
It's called The 10 in 10 in 10. And it's all about the 2007 film, The 10. Yeah, it's directed by David Wayne. I liked it when I saw it in 2007. Andrew didn't. And I didn't. Is that still true? We don't know. Ten. But we got 10 minutes uh, each episode and we got 30 seconds for this seven, promo and it's coming up six, on the end. So go five, listen, January 10th. Four, three, Thank two, you. one. Goodbye. Hey, if you'd like to hear more like bits from the cutting room floor, be sure to subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash it's on my list pod. Thanks. Hey, folks, this is Joe Myers. When I'm not waxing poetic about classic and cult films that I should have watched ages ago, you can hear me talk all things horror on the podcast macabre with my fellow co-hosts, Chris Duck and Jenny Duquette. Join us each week for horror related news, movie and show reviews, film franchise focuses, director and actor spotlights and much more. Podcast Macabre is available via our website, our Libsyn hosting site, iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Spotify with new episodes available every Monday. You can find us at podcastmacabre.com and follow our social media accounts on Facebook and under at Podcast Macabre on Twitter and Instagram. So, right, friends, please subscribe to, rate, and review the show. And remember, don't be afraid of the dark. Be afraid of what's in it. But I do have to point out, I did like this movie. As much as I'm uh, needling <laughs> Matthew Broderick's performance here, I did like this movie. Oh, yeah, same. Yeah, I yeah, I did, too. Movie, yeah. I think I liked it as much as I could like a historical drama of this sort. <laughs> not not <laughs> your is, favorite I, genre? I liked it fine. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's all right. I thought some of the, the battle scenes were good. I was uh, into, into that. <laughs> I thought they were you know, well staged and not, um, it wasn't too, you know, sometimes you get a battle going and it gets very confusing yeah. what's going on where. Andrew, and, do and you they know had, they the, had, um, huh. sorry, sorry. Uh, do you know the famous behind the scenes story of glory, uh, and, and a, a, one of the big battle I, scenes? Apparently I no. don't either. So yeah, <laughs> tell me more. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look it up as I tell you, because I, I'm afraid I'm going to be horrifically wrong. Um, but this was told as a cautionary tale in, in film school, mm. I want to say. Um, but somebody, probably a um, assistant director somewhere down the chain, was tasked with shipping, or f- rather flying with a bunch of reels of film that had been shot for this, for this movie, probably back to LA to, to set it up for dailies and, and whatnot. And they were getting on a plane. This was of course before nine 11, but you still had like x-ray machines and things like that. Um, and if you put this type of film through an x-ray machine, it will be immediately ruined. Uh, you mm. cannot film anything on it. Anything filmed on it will be wiped. And so the guy gets to the, the checkpoint and the, the guard is just not listening to what he has to say. Like, no, this needs to go through. It's like these big clunky boxes of mm-hmm. reels of film. It's like, no, 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 this is a suspicious package. I need to put it through this machine. And the guy is like pleading with him, like, please do not, do not put that film through the machine, please. It's going to be ruined. This is a gigantic like <laughs> oh production. God. Please don't do that. And the stuff on the film was one of the larger battle scenes oh. of oh. the film. Jesus. And it went through it was ruined, uh, just like the guy said. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure the production was insured, right, and so they 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 were compensated for that. But then it's it's like, all right, everybody, get back on your horses. We gotta do this. Oh, <laughs> gotta do this whole thing again. Yeah, and I, I don't know I, if it was like the Charles the, the the beach battle or one of the earlier ones, but yeah, I'd yeah. read that at least with the earlier one they used you know reenactors yeah, of the of yeah the area. they did thank them at the end of the movie. There was a thing saying. They think the living history reenactors. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I even think I was really, uh, I thought even the the battle right before the final battle, uh, I liked that one had a lot of emotion to it. Like it was, it that battle meant a lot to them as soldiers and to them as people. Like it, it, it was a, I well, thought it was kind of well done in that. battle way. at James Island, was that the one I think? I, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for them to... The for one, the, uh, Thomas got injured, right? I think so. Yes. yes. And they had 42 casualties in that. Oh. It's like their yeah. first battle. Like they, they were actually, like, okay, you're allowed yeah, to fight. Yeah, they actually get to prove And they themselves. were face-to-face yeah. with the, as they called them, the secesh. Yes. <laughs> they, they used a, <laughs> a term there I hadn't heard before. Uh, yeah. I, I believe... In, re- in reference to they, they wanted yeah, to the secede from the, yeah. 
Yeah. Huh. But hey, you know, I guess you would. I came from somewhere. I mean, I guess you would just shorten it, right? <laughs> yeah. The yeah, Sasash. The sash. <laughs> I like it. it. Feels very contemporary. Or as we could we could just call them properly the racist right. slave owners who <laughs> Yeah. So I thought I liked that they we, the way that we saw that battle was that it was important to them as a group and to them each each person who fought in it, it, it they got yeah. their moment. Mm-hmm. I also thought they did a great job pretty much splitting the film in half where like the first hour was the regiment gathering and training and the last hour were the battles of them going out doing what they were supposed to be doing. Yeah, I thought on the whole, the pacing of the movie was really great. Like I didn't notice the time yeah. passage, you know, it's two hours and two minutes and it didn't feel like it. I think on the whole, to, at the end, my thought was it plays kind of like a Spielberg movie. You know, like it has that mm -hmm. feeling of one. Yeah. No wonder That's I got it mixed right. up with the stuff. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean it as vindicated. You know, I mean it as a compliment, but yeah, but it's not like it has some some moments that are you know difficult. But on the whole, it's got that I don't know. I don't want to say fairy tale, but it's kind of like that. It's got that Spielberg quality to it throughout. You know, it's not super gritty. It's it's uh kinda, very idealistic. Yeah. It gets the grit out pretty quickly yeah. though because in in that first battle we, they do oh, have a very yeah. moment where you see someone's head get shot and yes. blow up it was uh that was a little more graphic than yeah. i thought it was gonna well, that, it it never yeah. quite reached that level again but it was yeah uh, i remember see, was, yeah when really i saw something. that i was like oh god i don't remember this movie being like that and then like oh okay mm -hmm. it was just that but it made me think about uh because i think there were cannons going off at that point too and and it made me think about some things i read about uh, people going aboard sailing vessels like in the aftermath of a gun battle and like real mm. real things people wrote you know, at the time and yeah it's it's not pretty at all <laughs> there were things mm -hmm. that's like oh boy I just never thought about any of that so wow it's uh so I thought that did a and even like yeah the uh, the hospital scenes, oh, yeah. you know, when there was just like oh man, that was like great. Half, yeah, that was when brutal, the guy was you know, when the half... guy you don't see it happening, but the the guy that whose leg is being amputated is saying, "Don't cut anymore." Like you know, they're like halfway yes. through. You know, <laughs> like, he was narrating uh, it like it was a radio right. play. Yeah, just like oh, and he was like, "Put down right. that saw." Are you t that saw is touching my leg? Oh no, oh. it's halfway but, through. Like, it would be like that, like don't cut anymore, but they've got to finish it, and it oh really my god. Good. That's mm -hmm. that's nasty. Well, because it's as he's being sewn up by another yes. doctor, which which would which amounts to be like a scratch right. in his neck. I'm sure it wasn't great, <laughs> yeah. but but he's and 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 the the doctor is just like, all right, hold still. This might sting a little. Okay, as the other guy's like screaming yeah. bloody murder because yes, his, his <laughs> yeah. entire leg yeah, is being he's sawed off. They're like, oh so my like, god, oh, I'm such a this weakling. is fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine. And I I think that really set the tone for or yeah. for how he felt about rank and file, yeah. you know, yes. about and how they're they're he's being treated versus, you know, just the regular company of soldiers. Yeah. Um, all of those played played into him being such a strong leader. I thought that was really telling. But man, that was brutal. <laughs> I still it still yeah, grosses me out. <laughs> Because yeah, if we didn't have those those opening scenes, then then everything he did from then on would kind of seem uh, like overly antagonistic. Other and and it's funny because you kind of see him morph from uh, he he was uh, talking to the the Scottish general and kind of or, or this the drill right. sergeant excuse me um, and asking him like why he was going so hard on his friend and and the guy's like all right he needs to grow up like you you can't. You can't be soft on him or on any of these guys. And then when when any of them, I mean, he was like nicer later on, but when any of them would show some sort of promise, like the 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 one guy who's like, oh, I'm I'm good at squirrel hunting, that's why I'm a good shot, and he's like, okay, 
reload this and, and fire three rounds in a minute while I'm firing a pistol next right. to your ear. It's like it does. I don't care how how good of a shot you are. You have to be able to do this. Right. Yeah. It's right. not. Which it's not sense. as easy. Yeah. Because they were kind. Of, Carrie mm-hmm. Ellis's character was kind of taking it easy on them in that yes. scene, and he's like, "You can't. These are men." Because he was like, oh, we're not going to actually ever see any action. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, And Shaw was like, we are going to see action. I'm going to see to that. These men need to be able to do what they need to be able to do. Yeah. Make it real. Yeah. I mean. So I bagged on Matthew, but now I need to praise Denzel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Academy Award winning performance. Golden Globe winning performance. My only real knock on this movie, and and I know they use Shaw's letters, and that's one of the reasons why he was the main focus of our point of view in, but I wish the entire film had been from Private Trip's point of view, to where we see him growing up, what happened to, just little bits of what happened to him as he grew up, where he came from, where he got to, I think that would have been far more impactful. Yeah. Because at the end of this movie, when he grabs that flag, there there actually is someone who did grab the flag from hitting the okay. ground, and he didn't die like Private Trip did. He actually lived and got like the Medal of Valor. I, I think that just would have been a better film, and, and I understand why they did it the way they did it. But the entire time, I'm like, I I need more Denzel. Well, I need more of them. I need more. I think of them. in today's climate, it's interesting to watch this because I still was like, oh, this is kind of a white savior movie but at the same time it's like well historically there was a white man leading this regiment so okay but i think if this movie was remade today it would be from trip's perspective because i think now as a whole as a society we are more interested in moving away from those stories where there's a white man making this all happen for this black regiment and you want to know more about well what is the story from within that regiment what is the story from within those rank and file men i also think it would be grittier oh yeah for sure because i didn't i didn't find even though it was somewhat brutal i didn't find the the end battle as climactic as i think it should have been well, like I think, uh, for me, that moment when they're on, when they're coming out to the beach, they're marching out, and they're marching between the columns of white soldiers, and I mean, you get very big stirring music there, and then having the white soldiers cheer for them at a certain point once they encounter a guy they'd encountered earlier. Uh, to me, that's the scene where I just lose it. I just cry all through that, like, you know, it, because they're finally getting some respect and then and that's kind of like the emotion i expect to have at the end of a movie but then there's this additional Mm -hmm. coda sort of that goes it's not a coda at all but it feels like one then uh of them actually going into battle at the fort that needed to be and their job was not to take the fort but was to draw the fire to draw the attention of the Confederate soldiers in the fort so that the other Union forces could then attack from other sides and could then come in and take over the fort, all of which failed. But uh, but it's interesting because then like where I feel like, oh, normally when this kind of battle happens and I see these guys are all dying and everything, I would be crying and yet I'm not because I already... <laughs> already cried in this other part like so hard. <laughs> that now I'm like, oh, Okay, I'm just watching this. I mean, it still has a lot of emotion. It's very moving. You don't want this to happen to them, but it becomes like, a, oh, but this had to happen in a sense, and I don't have the that. I don't need to cry right now. It's I don't know. It's weird. It's funny that scene you talked about when they're you know they're they're marching up to the to the fort. And, you know, in talking about the music earlier and it's swelling and it's stirring and, you know, I turned to Joe and I'm like, if they better not just end it right here, because it had it, <laughs> it felt does. like if, they were yeah, going to end it, it the way the music was building yeah, and everything. That's and what it, we're accustomed they, they to just ended it. an ending, right? <laughs> yeah. And I kind of wish they had because it broke my heart to right. see. <laughs> to You'd see that. You'd rather just have the, the, uh, the typical yeah. words, words on the screen at the end where it's like, 
They right. fought hard, but didn't. Right. Yeah, you kind of want to stay <laughs> yeah. with your little fantasy of, well, of course they went in there and they were successful and they were only supposed to draw the fire away. But in fact, they went in and they took the whole fort and they were the heroes. Like, I can just pretend, right? <laughs> <laughs> or some small military victory right. or win or something. But no, it was, you know, I mean, it, it was a victory for the yes. cause. And, and, and it and, says it says that they lost uh, half of their number in that battle, but then uh, more black troops were authorized and they had 180,000 black volunteers uh, after right. that. So, you know, so they were a, a symbol of what could be done and they opened up the, the Union Army to say, yes, we can have black soldiers and they can fight. Like, we don't have to pretend, you know, like, okay, they, they proved what black right. men could do. I, I do like the um, it's like the last little conversation before the final battle that I believe it's, it's Shaw and Denzel Washington's character have. And they're ta- he's like, it's you know, this is all a mess, like the whole war and everything. And and uh, Denzel Tripp, yeah. right? That's his character's name. He says, ain't ain't nobody clean. And then what Shaw says, like, well, how do, you know, what can we do? And Tripp says, we ante up and kick in. And I kind of like that as, like, a thought. It's like, that is, that's the way to solve, you know, you can't just stand on the right. sidelines. You can't just, you know, you have to join and be a part of something. Like, you have to make an effort. Although, I I will say in this scene, I was kind of like, well, here we go. Here's the white guy asking the black guy, how do I fix the problem that I created? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, which, which it is, it's yeah. I mean, historically it is, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think the movie treads, even though you're dealing with a historical subject and historical characters, it treads a really fine line on becoming that white savior story, you know? Mm-hmm. But there's a, in that, final battle the final moment of it and i when i saw it i was like oh yeah i remember this from seeing it in the past that last shot of carrie ellis and i think denzel whoever else is there just Mm -hmm. that final shot of them as they stop like the the confederates are in front of them they know like you know they're about to die but it just becomes a total painting for a second like this. And I love it. (laughs) Like that's just the best staging in that shot. It's great. I wish they would, I wish you could just, I would like a freeze frame of that. I, I should just do a screenshot of it (laughs) because I just want to look at it longer and look at the arrangement there. So the whole time I watched this movie, I was trying to figure out why I had never gone to Fort Wagner as a Mm. kid because I went to Fort Sumter a bunch through school and just on my own with my parents. Uh, same thing with Fort Moultrie. And doing research, uh, that's because uh, the ocean pretty oh. much took away <laughs> everything where Fort Wagner was. It's on Morris Island. There's still a little bit of the island left, and it's now been given over to a land preservation group who are trying to do something to memorialize the people that fell there during that battle and allow people to come visit it. So I'm very interested to see what they do because that's only been a handful of years that they've been trying to do something with it. But I'm like, oh, okay, that's why I never went there because the ocean pretty much swallowed the place not very long after the battle happened. Oh, interesting. But yeah, it's basically if you're looking at a map of Charleston, if you're going toward the harbor from the south, that's where Fort Wagner would have been, where if you were coming down from the north, Fort Moultrie would have met you, and then Fort Sumter's nearly like in the middle of the harbor altogether. But yeah, I found it, for living there for as long as I did, I found it super interesting that I had no idea a lot of this information was out there, and that this battle even took place there. Like, I really don't remember them teaching us this in school at all. And you would think, they'd be like, yeah, that was in James Island, like, let's watch the movie right now, and it never happened. Well, the and I just was looking it up as you were talking about that, and there's a site that gives battle facts on it. It says, estimated casualties were 1,689. The Confederates lost 174. 
and the Union 1,515 men. That's just crazy. Yeah, I don't think the movie did a very good job at showing the fort. Like, this thing, the walls of it were partially, like, legit natural sand dunes, but they embellished it with more sand, more earth, yeah. and even palmetto logs and sandbags. The walls to it were 30 feet high. And they had dug a trench around it that was 10 feet wide and 5 feet deep that had, like, spikes and water in it. And the reason they were going in from the beach is that was the only way they could really get to it. Because on the west side, it was all swampland that was pretty much Uh, impossible to get through. There's no way they could have attacked it from that side. So they basically funneled everyone along that small strip of sand and that's why they could only kind of send like a few regiments at a time and they could never yeah. really overwhelm it. And then after the events of this movie, they decided just to shell the bejesus out of it for like two months straight. Yeah. And they finally, the Confederates abandoned it in the middle of the night at some point because they're like, it, it can't hold up to very much longer. Because in addition to like the ironclads hitting it from the ocean, they finally wised up and they, the unions uh, soldiers started digging trenches closer to it and moving heavy artillery. So they were getting closer to it and actually doing damage to it. And at the very end, when they're doing that mass grave scene, that really did happen. They buried like 800 union soldiers. And I guess even some of their own too, kind of out there. And one of the commanding officers, like in an official report, they still have, Uh, that you can access in the historical archives said that the union shelled them so hard that it basically dug all those bodies up that it just blew the land into pieces and everything so i mean it it got really brutal well and and then looking further into this thing the total forces that were engaged in the battle was six thousand eight hundred like to me, 5,000 Union and 1,800 Confederate i just the numbers of i mean and it's the same thing in the the ship battles that I studied, you know, when you when you actually look at numbers like that and the numbers of men that were involved and the numbers of men who were killed in every action, like it's it's astounding. Like you just I don't know, I don't I guess I just never thought of how many thousands of men were involved in every battle. Like it blows yeah, especially my this mind. type of warfare yeah. where Yeah, like we talked about, you know, the whites of their eyes thing. It's basically shoot until they're close enough that you can stab. Right. Now, I do want to say the Confederate commander for this has the most beautifully Confederate name I've ever heard. P.G.T. Beauregard. (laughs) Wow, dude. (laughs) Tell me you didn't have a slave plantation at home. Good Lord. Yeah, he, he left command after this battle, and Johnson Haygood took over. And he, it wasn't called the Citadel at the time, but he had graduated from the mm. Citadel and their football stadium, still called Johnson Haggard Stadium. But well, you did your research. A little bit. I wish, actually wish I would have had way more time. Yeah. I didn't realize, I, I honestly, I had no idea this took place in Charleston. And I'm like, holy shit, that's like my old right. home. Let me, let me dig <laughs> I know where that into is. this and see what's what. And and they they touched on it really. Br- I just remembered they touched on it briefly a bit in um in the movie when he meets up. Shaw meets up with another regiment of of uh, black soldiers led by uh, white commanding officers, and they they kind of have like a sort of friendly little, not not even contest, but she's like, oh hey, why don't we go like why don't you join us while we go do this thing? And they, what did they say? And it was hilarious because my fiance is, is a huge history nerd, and it's, as soon as the guy said, oh we're gonna go forge for supplies, he's like, ha ha, they're gonna burn everything yeah. they see <laughs> because that's exactly <laughs> what the union did and that's why a lot of people actually had a problem with uh the union's generals and commanding officers was because they they didn't uh they didn't conduct war in a civil manner uh they absolutely just destroyed and raised the land and 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 took people out of their homes and shot at civilians and stole food and and from everything they could because they they viewed it as total war Mm -hmm. we need to quell this uprising of course not realize i mean realizing or not realizing uh, exactly how much damage and for how long uh, the the damage they did to the South would right, last. Right. <laughs> uh, mm. be, that's kind of why Reconstruction was never reconstructed, because they couldn't really come back from all the damage that was done. And so they showed that in that little scene there with um, the, the white soldier. And, and of course, Shaw was like... Uh, 
horrified right. by this and and it is backed up in his in his letters he's like there there was no need to to do that and and i don't i don't fully comprehend why why they were doing these things again the they they considered some of them considered themselves more more gentlemanly but it's like where do you draw the line if it's war it's, right it's as war. they say all is fair in love <laughs> and war you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he had actually filed a report to complain about it and yes. basically said, like, I have no problem burning a, a city or a town to the ground if they resist or fight us. But this was nothing but women and children. There was no reason right. to do it. Yeah, that that whole sequence, I, I, yeah, that was pretty horrifying. But also, I thought the movie did a good enough job of showing that from, a, you know, the perspective of Shaw, he was like, I, you know, I treat my soldiers better than this. Like that guy was, um, that commanding officer, whatever was like, Oh, I just, uh, I, they're not soldiers. I just let them come in and just ransack a town because they're never going to see. Right. And they're, this yeah. is the most action they're ever going to see. Yeah, And he, he talks about them as children that like these black men, they're just mm-hmm. children. They don't like, they can't, you know, like they're not intelligent. They're not men, they're children. So let them behave like children. All in all, I really, I, I like this movie a lot. I want to go back and rewatch it because um, there were some of the scenes where you're like, you're just so f- focused on Denzel. Um, there wasn't enough of him, I don't think, in this. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I mean, I was glad that he got uh, so much time. I thought I was like, oh, thank goodness. This is a character that comes in a little bit late. Uh, yeah, but they yeah. give him a lot of time for being such a late comer to the story. But yeah, it would it would be you know as Joe said earlier, if this whole movie was from his perspective, it would be just like amazing. <laughs> I foolishly thought that this movie, just based on the movie posters and you know the trailers <laughs> and everything, I thought he was the star of this movie. Yeah, all of this time, and. It, probably saw the marketing after he he won the award for what bit yeah. best supporting yes they probably put his picture on all of those things but i really did think this was about him yeah how far i'm just looking at imdb right now uh like how far into his career was this movie yeah oh. He looks super yeah. young. He'd done Carbon Copy. Well, you all did. Bad movie. Andre Brower looked like a, like a like maybe 20, I, 21. I couldn't believe how young Andre Brower I looks. forgot Denzel Washington <laughs> starred in St. Elsewhere. Good Lord, I'd forgotten that. I loved that movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, this was uh, just, this was after St. Elsewhere, but was like, he'd done a few movies. Nothing, uh, well, some decent stuff, but a lot of really bad stuff, too. Uh, early career movies, you know. Uh, but yeah, I think this may have been like one of the things that really put him on the map. Yeah, this is three years before Malcolm X. Yeah, it's uh, Mo Better uh, Blues came after this. And uh, and Pel- Pelican Brief in 93. Yeah. So yeah, this is 89. Philadelphia, is yeah, yeah. Extremely You can see early. him just, as you go through, you just see him starting to take off there. Yeah. Yeah, because like a lot of, you know, and Andre Brower as well, like they really, these are actors who went on to have absolutely amazing careers after this. Like that's what's cool about it is it's kind of chock full of amazing actors. So this also won the Academy Award for Best Sound, which I totally get because I thought the sound design was great great for it. But the thing that shocked me was... I do want to watch it again, like Elisa said, because this also won Best Cinematography that year. And I don't recall it being like an exceptionally gorgeous looking or visual film in that way. But I want to go back and rewatch it now with that little bit of info in my head to be like, oh, what did I miss? just for that one shot. Yeah, maybe. the award just for that one frame. I don't don't remember if we mentioned it uh, (laughs) earlier as well, but Horner won the the Grammy for that year as well. I'm looking up. I want to try to find what else was nominated for cinematography that year. 
Maybe the cinematography was the award was to oh, make up for wow. the lost X-ray. That could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we a, I was trying to look story. up. Um, I was trying to to corroborate my my story, and I, I can't seem to find any trace of it online. Mm. So either either my teacher made it up to scare us, or <laughs> I think, you, or it was a different you, movie, and yeah, I'm misremembering it, it. Or it is true, I, and it was just buried. Yeah, as you were telling it, I was like, oh, I remember hearing a story like this. Yeah. So, Maybe okay. they just did like each teacher did a different movie or something. It was just the cautionary tale, yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, so it was so for cinematography, it was the Fabulous Baker Boys, Blaze. Well, that was nice. Haskell Wexler. Oh, wow. Yeah, Fabulous Baker Boys was Michael Ballhaus. God, these names. Uh, the Abyss, Michael Solomon, Glory. This one, Freddie mm-hmm. Francis, and Born on the Fourth of July, Robert Richardson. Okay. Uh, I think wow. I think I can see why it wanted, especially in that group. Uh, I'm surprised the abyss. Didn't yeah, win, I mean that's, that's like, the only one that stands mm-hmm. out as the other possibility, right? But to me, anyway. But because the editor's cut wasn't out with all of the uh, <laughs> it could be the deep sea <laughs> glowy. <laughs> and I also was kind of shocked that like, no nomination for best costume design. Yeah. I thought the costumes in it looked yeah. really good because mm-hmm. you can always tell when they go cheap. Yeah, yeah. They, they finally got to wear the blue. Right. <laughs> was it? I was reminded of when we watched, um, when we did uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, that scene with, uh, with Tuco, where they got the dusty blue, and he thought it was the... Oh, that was funny. <laughs> Every time I see the dark blue uniform, I just think, oh, that's not... It's not a dusty gray one. <laughs> so I was curious why it wasn't nominated for Best Picture. But that year's Best Picture nominees were Dead Poets Society, Field of Dreams, Driving Miss Daisy, My Left Foot, and Born on the Fourth of July. What a year. What a year. Man. Oh, my God. <laughs> did did yes. Left Foot win? fit anymore. One. Let's see. Driving oh, Miss Daisy. Oh, that's Daisy. right. Wow. Oh, okay. I'd put I bet he did his own stunts in that one, too. <laughs> God, that's a tough group, man. Wow. And, and Denzel, so he was up against Danny Aiello and uh, Do the Right Thing, oh. Dan Aykroyd in Driving Miss mm-hmm. Daisy, Marlon Brando oh. in A Dry White Season, and Martin Landau in Crimes and Misdemeanors. Interesting. Oh. So he took out some yeah, heavy he hitters himself. Impressive. And well-deserved, I think. Yeah, I'm glad we watched this one. I I honestly, about a decade plus ago, I really lost my taste for war movies of any period. So I think this is only, like in the last 12 years, maybe the third war movie I've watched. And the other two were Inglorious Bastards and 1917. I was gonna say, I'm like, I'm, I hope you uh, see. Yeah, that's really good. I, I mean, I guess. Oh, that was. I, I guess Master and Commander doesn't count as a war movie. It's not quite the same. Not really. It has some war in Hist- it. Historical drama. Right. There's some action in it though, but I get it. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> mm. Well, four if you want to count okay, that one. Thank then. you. <laughs> Why are you guys forcing me to watch more movies? <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't watched a. There's got to be a horror movie that's also mm. a war movie that you've seen. Oh, oh, thank you. I lied. Uh, Overlord. It's got zombies in it. There we go. I was going to say, if there's not, then you better get to writing that right away because. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't realize this movie had five nominations. So the only other two that had more that year, Born on the Fourth of July, had mm-hmm. eight, and Driving Miss Daisy had nine. And Glory won three of their Academy Awards that they were up for, and Driving Miss Daisy only won four. So it barely missed out of having the most wins that yeah. year for a film. Impressive. So I, I just, I, I'm floored I never saw this before. I really am dumbfounded of how I missed out on this all these years. Sometimes it just happens, you know? But Yeah, I do think if if people had watched this more at the time, society would be better. <laughs> Is that a weird thing to say? Yeah, a little bit, but <laughs> we all need. Don't to, think we you're all need right. To, if more sure. people cared about this movie than Driving Miss Daisy, I think society yeah. would be better. Let's yeah, put yeah, it that I, way. I I know yeah. what you're saying. Because yeah. I feel like I've heard can, yeah. more about Driving Miss Daisy than ever about oh, absolutely. Glory, and I 
True, could care yeah. less about driving Miss right. Daisy. Yeah. And Glory's like, it, it's a thinker. I like it. So I shouldn't put Driving Miss Daisy on our list because I've not no. seen it. I remember. Uh, if you want to hear Hans Zimmer's big I break, remember sure. enjoying it when it was out. You know, it's not like when I'd be like, oh, I need to watch it again. But, you know, it was fine. My name's Alisa Gonzalez, and I can be found on Twitter at ThisAlisa. I'm Andrew Lindy, and you can find me doing other podcasts, such as Nothing New, a remake podcast, where every month my co-host and I talk about film remakes. You can find that at benvnetwork.com slash nothing new. And you can also listen to the brand new podcast from the creators of the Super Mario Brothers Minute. That's right. Me and Diet <laughs> Coke are podcasting again. It's called the 10 in 10 in 10. Who could forget the absolute comedy masterpiece from 2007 called The 10, directed by David Wayne? Well, we're going to be talking about each of the 10 segments and only having 10 minutes to do so in each episode. <laughs> and yes, we will be timed and the timer is brutal. <laughs> it's really oh something. Oh my God. Uh, so if you're listening now, it, it starts January 10th and it goes to February 10th and then it's over. <laughs> so that's that's an so experiment in podcasting from, from us. You're doing the 10 and 10 and 10 in 2022? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from one Got 10 it. to two 10. <laughs> Stop I'm confused. <laughs> uh, but you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Podcaster Andrew. I'm Bethany Brinton. I'm a musician and composer. You can find me on all of the social things at Bethany Brinton. And we are It's On My List. And you can find us everywhere at It's On My List Pod, uh, including our Gmail address if you want to send us a line. It's On My List Pod at gmail.com. Uh, I am Cheryl Jones. You can find me across social media at Speedway CJ. Uh, you can listen to five years of Movies Made Me on all the places where you listen to podcasts. And yeah, come visit me at the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures in LA. And I'm Joe Myers. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at that Joe Myers. I also co-host a horror podcast called The Podcast Macabre. You can find all of our information on social media at podcastmacabre.com. And this has been It's On My List. <laughs>